This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. The Rebel Mages episodes contain spoilers from The Priory of the Orange Tree, The Black Witch Chronicles, and Akamath, with mentions of Throne of Glass, From Blood and Ash, and Harry Potter. There are also discussions surrounding sexual assault, suicide, self-harm, and domestic abuse. Hi everybody, and welcome to A Court of Phantoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie, that's Jessica Marie, and this is part two of Rebel Mages, and this episode is focusing on Light Mage. So, enjoy! So, book two, novella 1.5, whatever you want to call it. So that is Light Mage, and I love this. I love Light Mage. I want more Sage, Ellen, Gaffney. She is such a great character, and she her story is so fantastic. Ugh. Jess, what do you think about Light Mage? <sighs> I, I right off the bat, I okay, so it, it's broken into two parts, maybe three parts. I can't remember, but you have different points in her life. You have, yeah, I guess it's two parts. So you have part one of essentially thirteen year old Sage. She's young. She's impressionable. She's super innocent. I mean, there are certain things that she said, you know, bless her heart, the innocence. But I found so much of myself of Sage in these, oh, I really want to kiss him. We're one bastard now. We're going to be together forever. Or when she was saying, he's my best mate. He would never hurt me. I go, oh, oh, sweet girl. Sweet girl. Oh, (laughs) I mean, the first four, the first four chapters completely uh, before we really get into it. So we've explored wand fasting. We've we've discussed it throughout the different books. I did have a question because at this point in Light Mage, we're in present day garden area, more or less, not the one with all the edicts and um, I was going to say vulgar. Why can't I think of Vogel? Vogel. We're not, we're vulgar. not in, we're, we're not, not in that part of, yeah. but he is behind the scenes. We know his presence is there. Um, but, and conversations are already stirring about, oh, they're starting to wand fast as young as 13. We know those conversations are being had. So here we are with 13 year old Sage and she's getting wand fasted, but then to, to the kid Tobias and then they have the fasting ceremony. They will be, they're fasted. And then they sit next to their parents and they leave the room. I, and I'm completely against this, um, was under the impression that they were marrying them at 13 and then they were still forcing them to consummate. That's not what happened. So it's two very different things that you can be wand fasted but the consummation would seal that. It doesn't have to happen like wedding night kind of thing. 
Right. Yeah. So the okay. the the sealing is a completely different like ceremony, and that is when they're eighteen. But the one fasting part of it is at in in this book is at thirteen, and that's like an engagement, which is why if we're gonna go back to one fasted, why um Vale insists on sealing it right then and there, so that there can be like no ifs ands or buts about it. Um. Tesla and Vale are are done. Like they're done. Um, so in in this book, uh, Light Mage, yeah, Sage is like engaged at thirteen, and then they have to wait until the ceiling at eighteen to be consummated, and that is when the sanguine in first blood and the Ugh. the lines go, you know, up to the to the wrists and arms and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's worth noting that Sage is incredibly isolated and that she is like with her dad and her stepmom and her sisters and like Ellerin is there but they they're like not supposed to hang out and like she, well, she but she has a crush on Rafe right, at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean like oh fair. My, right. And she would even say like she was seeing him, she saw him or something. And they're neighbors, so of course she's going to see him. And she makes a comment of, oh, I, I wonder what it would be like to kiss him. And she goes, oh, I can't. God forbid if somebody knew I was having these thoughts. I mean, she is a very sheltered. It's part of her upbringing. It's part of the culture. It's part of the community. They can't even have friends of the opposite sex without, you know, you have, she has the two friends. I think it was Gwynefer. Maybe it was somebody else who her and the other guys she was like we just wanted to we wanted to collect stones we didn't everybody thought we were going down to the lake to kiss and we were collecting stones and then we were forced to fast so we wouldn't have this marking on our names and our family names and they're at that age when this happens because this is part one where she goes "Do do you even like him like that and they're like well you know he's a good companion like Good effort, bro. Kissing's gross. And then they're, they're even saying, like, who's thinking? Uh, I, and I appreciated this line. Who thinks of such things with demons on their trail anyway? Like, we love, we love practical shit here. You know, bigger picture. <laughs> I can't, I don't have time to think about making out with this guy. Some, I'm being chased. <laughs> I really like, I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's Gwynefer. I'm sure somebody will correct us if it's not. I got such, Luna Lovegood vibes from her in her <laughs> tower room. Like, I loved it. I loved it. Quick flashback, since we're talking Harry Potter. When Fane, when we're hearing about the war tent of Fane, I was thinking of when he goes, oh, you know, Vale is very minimalist and Fane is kind of, he's a little bit more opulent with his, with his, and he, they would describe his tent as an Ishcart market. And I kept thinking of the Weasley's tent when they go to the Triwizard Tournament where everything's happening. Like, I just, I just had such like homey vibes. I felt like, I felt as if I was in there. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's all so good. Everyone needs to read all of this. Okay. Um, Sage Ellen Gaffney Sage is a light mage. A light mage is a type of mage that is incredibly rare. There's only one other one in all of Gardneria. And because Sage is a girl, she is not allowed to use or practice or learn about her abilities, which is devastating. And she 
Her at this point, she's basically. I mean, all the women in Garden Area are considered. Um, she needs to basically stay at home, barefoot in the kitchen. Her only purpose would be to procreate a life in order to pass this light mage affinity to her sons. It has to be a son, exactly. Yeah, and Sage's power is really beautiful, and the way that Lori Forrest describes it is like she can see colors like things have different colors and she can tighten the affinity lines around her eyes to like see better in the dark and and she she's drawn to the color of purple which we know is very important because um when we see sage in the black witch and the iron flower and i think even a little bit in the shadow one uh she she is purple she's like stuck as purple and we find out through this book, like why that happens. And she's like drawn to purple and uh, Sage's journey is just really fantastic. And, it, and, and I find that it's very relatable and it's very real. Uh, she's, you know, this like sheltered, I think of her as like, like a Puritan kind of um, like pilgrim esque kind of setting. You know what I mean? Like with the, the garments that they have to wear and, and she has to wear black. Like they all have to wear black, which is difficult for Sage because she sees basically in rainbows. And it, it's just a very like her internal self is is all these colors, but her external self is is like everything is black. It's just, oh my God. Oh my God. Ugh. Um, okay. So the day of the wand fasting she, Sage, has to spend the night at the girl's house in the tower. And that is when we get the White One of Legend. We finally figure out how Sage came in contact with the White Wand. And Guinevere tells her all the shit, right? She gives her all the stuff. She gives her copies of Grimoire. She gives her, like, legends of different cultures. She gives her the wand. She tells her about the demons and and I really love it. And like she brings her her like little boyfriend that's in on it from the tree with the candies. Like he's in on it. And they're so scared, right? That is kind of the vibe that we get there. Well, I think there's also because obviously, Winifred received this shadow wand in the white wand at some point, and we learn it's it's a calling. There's no rhyme or reason because, I mean, at the end of this book, she's receiving that calling of we need to give this one to Ellerin, Ellerin, Ellerin. And she's a little butthurt about it, too. She goes, I thought it was supposed to be me. Like, no, no. Like, I'm the person who has. And it's it's one of those things where it's just like a magical. I just feel like it's one of those things that makes sense in fantasy. Okay, well, you know what? There's been a shift. No longer use this. And it's really interesting because we know that these demons, right? These two demons that are that um, Sage sees talking to the guards of the armory, and they're looking for the the wand. and And her friend says, "Like, don't look them in the eyes. They have red eyes. The, they'll know that you have it if you look at them." We know, as the reader, that those are the demons that are tied to Marcus Vogel. Like Marcus Vogel has already started at, at, at Sage being 13. He has already started sowing the seeds of his, like, takeover, right? He's already, like, activated the shadow wand. He's already got his demons tethered to him. He has started everything at this point. And those demons do not fuck around. Like, they recognize Sage and they, like, follow her out. 
But then what's really fantastic about this is that even though Sage stays in contact uh, with her friend that gave her the wand, so much time passes that they start to doubt themselves. Like, you know, we were just kids like playing around. You know, that's just a toy. That's not the real thing. Uh, you know, we didn't really see demons. We were just like, like, you know, there was too much sugar. We were like too excited yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then you flash forward. I mean, yeah, I guess we do. Yeah, we flash forward mm-hmm. five years because now we're in part two. They're at university. You know, Sage is excited because I guess her friend was probably a little bit older than her and had already been at university. Um She's excited. She's been thinking about her fast mate this whole time. She's 18. She's, I'm going to get me some. She's she, ready. She's ready. She's ready. You know, and her and her best friend have been writing letters every week, which, you know, back in the day, I mean, even you and I, every now and then, we still do letters or emails mm-hmm. to say, hey, here's a catch up on, like, you know, just because. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she's ready. And then she sees, I mean, kind of starts, it kind of, it really, this is the part that brings us into the rest of the book. She sees her fast mate, who she has been like dreaming about for the last five years with another person. And that person was the girl he had been dating when they were forced fast mated. Um, so... What happens, Laura? Well, and I find this very interesting because Sage has in her head, like, constructed what Tobias is going to be like. He will be faithful. He will be this, 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 and that, which is exactly what Tesla did. She had in her in her head what her fast mate, you know, who she'd never met was going to be like. He's going to be like this, this, this. Tesla's panned out. Sage's didn't and, and didn't in such a disgusting, horrible, horrible way. So Sage sees uh, Tobias with his, like, girlfriend or whatever, and she's, like, crushed, and she doesn't know what to do. And her friend tells her, like, yo. I love this. This part is, it gave me, I don't know why I giggled so much. She's like, put your hand on his thigh. She's like, thigh? How high? How high? She, and, and her friend is like, yo, as high as it takes for him to not think about her anymore. And it's like, whoa. Oops. And this is, and keep in mind, this is a very puritan style culture where there should be no contact whatsoever um until the wedding night essentially i mean yeah and i i mean i think it was just the rhyming that made me laugh because then she they are at the dinner table she places a hand on his knee tobias is just like boys could be so predictable (laughs) Uh. Boys can be so predictable. And then, predictably, he, uh, Tobias is like, and, and Trigger Tobias, warnings. Yeah. And we'll Tobias is, um, he's an asshole. He's really full of himself. He likes, he's cocky. He's late to dinner. He doesn't want to be there, you know, like, but, but what's, what's interesting about this is like, Tobias has not been fucking his girlfriend because she can't be fasted if she's impure and like she's engaged to somebody else. So, like, Nobody's getting anything out of this, you know? So, like, as soon as Sage puts the hand on the thigh, he's like, A, A. So he's like, all right, (laughs) we're going to go on, like, a walk. And he, Tobias, takes Sage, like, down. And the parents say, stay on the main Mm -hmm. course, stay public. Everybody knows you're one fasted, but 
make sure you can be seen at all times. And of course, Tobias doesn't. He leads her into like a very dark like library, like down, down deep, they say like in the bowels of the university. And trigger warning tries, tries all the things. Tries all the things, even with Sage saying no, yelling no, hoping somebody could hear her. They can't. Um, And and just even the things that he said, it was just, I mean, memories unlocked. You're mine now. You don't get to say stop. I can do whatever I like with you. I had, I did have to put the book down for like my own personal reasons. Um, but holy hell. And then when she goes, she finally leaves the situation. She tells her parents, she tells his parents, I I will not fast to this person. You can't make me. I will not move forward with this. And then the victim shaming starts. Yeah. His, his, Tobias's dad is like, well, he said that you started all of this and like you were the hussy and you did that, the hand, and then you attacked him. And then, oh, it's, it's disgusting. It's, they, they call her a whore and they, they just go off on her. Ugh. I fucking hate like and it's not just I hate gardenarians I hate anybody who does this who does this and truly believes it too yeah and they do they do even though that even though I feel like the parents know that Tobias is a piece of shit they they say like Sage says like the family's evil and like my sisters are going to be fasted to his brothers like that was the deal and like well even the family dynamic from a family point of view it's there was a there was a line that her stepmother said, oh because his family goes are your children like this because her because Sage has two sisters and through blood like technically they are half sisters but as most people who have half siblings, we don't go around saying, oh, this is my half sister. This is my half. No, we say this is my sister. This is my brother. So she's only considered her sisters her sisters. And her stepmother says the line, no, not my children. And it was the first time that Ellerin really. Sage. real. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Sage had realized she's never seen me as one of her kids. I was always the other kid. And, like, as somebody who's come from, you know, we all have our found family tropes, but as somebody who is part, like, has a, you know, comes from a step family and has half siblings, like, that shit hurts. It has happened, and it, it that shit hurts. Oh, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. So we should mention that as all of this is happening, Ellerin, or no, see, I did it too. Sage <laughs> is, um, has been, uh, I don't know the word, marked or, um, or warded is the word, by River, the very mm. wonderful rainbow um, elf. Mm-hmm. And and we we love him. And he, he like, goads the Garnarians. And he's royalty, so nobody can, can do anything about him. And he's very powerful. And he is just fantastic. He's got, like, rainbow hoops in his ears. And he has, like, rainbow embroidering, which is important. Because as we know from the Black Witch and and Winter, the elves are very stoic. Their they their emotions are suppressed, and we know this. Uh, the the amulet, which is discussed later in the book, and they talk about the amulet again in here, like mm-hmm. even more so. And he goes, "I refused the amulet, and now they're after me." Which yep. 
we know we know more of that story now. Mm-hmm. It, it's wonderful. And like River is in uh, Verpax University on like work papers and like nobody can get to him there. And he 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 like does all the things right. He does all the things and he uh, wards Sage so that she isn't like pulled in by other magic because she has no training. She has no exposure. She doesn't know how to use any of her light majory. I mean, in a way, Akamath, spoiler, it's when, like, Favor came into her Damati powers where Reese has to train her. He goes, look, I'm going to, we're going to help you learn your powers. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. It's great. It's great. And River is friends with um, a bunch of people that the Gardenarians hate, which is they all work in a smithy that's right across from the hotel that Sage is staying in. And the hotel is, like, where all of this is happening, where the, the parents are and you know, Tobias, where they have this like terrible meeting and right across from it is the smithy. And in the smithy are a bunch of, got to say it, some, fuck. Samar, Samar, There we go. Yeah. Samogdalfar. Yes. There. We got Samogdalfar. it. Uh, a bunch of a bunch of elves, and then there's a a Celt there, and we'll we'll get into him. And uh, there's a, a beautiful found family situation happening there, and River is part of that. And um, Siren, who is who's the the the, the Celt for for now, uh, has an immediate like pull and attraction to Sage, and she has it too. And they're like staring at each other across the thing, and it, it's this whole it's this whole dynamic. And this was before the the whole Tobias situation. So she already, yeah. like, they had already been, you know, doing the nod mm-hmm. unintentionally <laughs> since she stepped on to university. So then, of course, Sage is, we go back, Sage is not believed by her parents. She's not believed by Tobias's parents. And she's basically labeled like a big, giant, scheming whore. And Sage realizes now that this is it for her. She she can't be wand fasted to Tobias. All her dreams about that are shattered, and in a in like a fit, she runs out of the hotel. She wanders aimlessly for a while, and trigger warning, very much almost throws herself off that bridge. Very much, she is saved. She's pulled. She's like pulled back from the brink by the Siren, the 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 Celt. But uh, she's really close, and and the 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 inner monologue that she has, like going up to that, she's like, you know, I'm leaning over toward. It. I just want to be in the water and engulfed in the blackness, and like none of this will matter, and I'll be clean, and it'll the water will like cleanse me, and I'll be taken away from here. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very powerful. But she's pulled back by Siren, the Celt that she was eye fucking, and. <laughs> And and it's and it's so fast and like that is the the like part two like that's the switch where from that point on Sage has broken with Gardneria and she is on the self like I I don't even know it's, it's just like her like self identification journey like a journey to find herself from this point on yeah and and the people involved I think she's realizing everybody who's involved at this point that she's that she has relationships with like and and not necessarily a romantic relationship but just any established relationship they're not gardenarians and you know and so of course siren brings her back to you know to to where he's been staying 
and they wanted to know the whole story. They needed to know the whole story. There was no questioning. There was no victim blaming. And they just kept saying, well, first she needs to go into your room, Siren, because it is the most warded, is the most protected. And right now everybody's going to be looking for her because when they realized who her father and her parents are and who she was fasted to, they're like, shit everybody's going to be out and at that moment they send the the light into the sky it's almost like firework trackers um but she didn't care she goes don't worry we will we will do the best we can because domestic abuse does not fly here either um and she's you know and and stage is so upset because this is she's she was she's not welcomed by anybody she's not welcomed by her own people everybody's already you know calling her the the garnerian slurs and and lila i think lila she had said like well sometimes you have to make a new home you know and i think that the dynamics and that come even when river comes into the picture and he's saying off-colored comments you know, people are kicking him out and she goes, just for the night, we all need to cool down. And it was, you know, I felt like their family was true family dynamics of you're pissing me off. I, I need a breather. I'm not kicking you out of this family. We all just need to cool it. And you need to kind of, you know, reflect on some of the things that have been said before it can get worse. And this family, like who's in this family? We have Siren who at this point is a Celt. We have Nobby, the little boy. We have Zamir, and we have Lila, and we have uh, Zaya. Zaya, that's who I was thinking. And, and they're so wonderful. And there's a lot of like fantastic stuff that happens, you know, between this. It's a family dynamics. You can you can imagine what that's like. But the the moment that stuck out to me is the noodles, the noodles moment. And it, oh my gosh. It was such a cultural, but I think this is a perfect example of what we know in The Black Witch, where they think that the, the lupine are these aggressive people. They, they sexually assault their, their females. And we realize, we come to learn that no, I'm literally consummating our marriage and everybody's celebrating our love. But this is another thing with the noodles comment. Where, oh, they're eating worms or eating this. No, it's basically like when you think of you have udon or rice noodles, you're just being exposed to different types of pasta. And it is so interesting, too, because uh, Sage has this like preconceived notion and and the, the slur for the some some fuck for that. We know who we're talking about. We know we snake we know. elves. Yeah, that's a slur. That's yeah. the slur. That's the slur that for the summer. I'm not even Samar, sure. Samar, Samar, Samogdalfar. Samogdalfar. Yeah. I know the spelling. I know. Me too. I just can't say it. Uh, The Samogdalfar. So the slur for them are snake elves because they have beautiful, like, multicolored emerald skin. And it looks like um, scales, like interlocking scales. But um, Zaya comes over and she's like, after this noodle comment, like, are we eating worms? And she's like, just like you are not a crow, which is the slur for gardenarians, I am not a snake. I don't eat um, insects. I don't live, you know, as a snake. I can't transform into a snake. Touch my skin. And Sage does. And she is shocked. She's like, it's smooth. Uh, it's completely smooth. It's just patterned. And it's not like raised up. You can't feel it. And she said, like, you're beautiful. 
And I think it's it's something special about the this found family that she has she does have. Um where you know whenever you're when people are saying cruel comments, it's going to sting a little, even if you're used to it at this point. However, they they take these opportunities to as learning opportunities towards Sage, understanding the type of person that she is, how she was brought up. And there's something to be said in those communities. Of course, you're only going to think certain things if that's the only thing you know. And even Sage begins to acknowledge everything I've learned about people is wrong this whole time, you know, and you see that part of that self-identification growth and journey throughout this whole novella. Uh, It's so good. And like throughout this found family too, Sage is like using her power and she's like realizing what she can do and her found family, um, her found family saves her in like so many ways, but specifically when they realize that uh, Sage's parents are putting out search spells for her every night and it's only at night and they're green and they say like, this is fucking shadow magic. Like, I don't know what the Gardnerians are doing, but this is shadow magic and it's, it's wrong and it's evil. And you can, they can like tell um, that it's shadow magic. And they're like, you have to get out of here. And um, you know, the, the next shift that happens is that Sage and her Sage's parents and her fast mate are breaking into the smithy right they're they're like no she's got to be there and they're looking in the smithy and they um you know like ransack it and they they beat up zamir and they smack uh nabi and it's, it's this whole situation sage also witnesses her father beat her two sisters when they are crying and trying to get into the carriage and they're like no we won't we won't lead sage like where's sage and he he beats them and and right at, almost unconscious just yeah. so they can uh, that it's it's disgusting it's disgusting but siren uh sneaks sage into a wagon and uh sage is taken to like a forest clearing with a cave and that is like the next part of this story and that is where we learn so many things we learn that siren is actually Oh, oh, he's a prince. <laughs> he's a prince. And and not only is he a prince, but he is he's the last of the royal mm-hmm. line. He's the last so of the royal line. So he's under every single protective order. And she's picking up on this sage. She she might have been naive in the beginning, but she starts picking up things. She goes, "Why? This doesn't make sense. He's he's a small guard small tough Gar elf <laughs> like everybody else how come he gets he has this power like everybody else how come he's the one she's you're not telling me something and he goes i need you to tell me what you know what what's going on first because they're getting attacked and blah 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 and she goes she finally tells him she goes okay but i told you you gotta let me know because i need to know what what what's going on here because at this point they've they've been hooking up and very very innocent you know first base stuff and they love each other but she wants she's just like who are you or what aren't you telling me right and then he unbuttons his shirt and she's like what are these chains like what are these and we know we know from the shadow wand that those chains are a glamour because that glamour is put onto Ellerin 
to turn her into um, the one of the gray elves. And so she's using the same glamour. And like now we know who had it, where it came from, and like how powerful it is. And th- so so Siren takes off that glamour and he is in his full elf form. And his name is... Raven? Ra- Raven. 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 Yes. And, and he... Oh, he's like he's wonderful. Like he's oh my gosh, and he's, he's so nice. powerful. And something that I did really enjoy in this is there's a um, there's a nice like cave swimming scene, which was very like uh, for blood and ash kind of situation. Yeah, when she's when he goes, hey, like come on in, the water's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, we we mentioned like they've been hooking up, like you know, but not seriously this whole time, and. Um, they aren't, I'm going to say Sage. Sage is not convinced that the wand fasting marks and the curse that comes with them if you break them is real, right? She says, like, they have lied to me about absolutely everything in my life. How do we know that this magic is going to do what they told me it is? Well, then they start hooking up and her hormones start taking, like, I feel like they, they started hooking up they were getting a little bit steamier because her 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 wand fasting lines had not flared up essentially um up until this point when she thought okay we're just kind of let's go with it let's go all the way kind of thing and then hormones took over and her hands started burning mm-hmm. they started stinging and then sage is like fuck this and she and this whole time, she's been practicing with the white wand and with uh, a grimoire that uh, River has has given her. And she is like learning all of these spells, and she's putting the spells into her her hand marks, and you know the light strike spell, and and all of this. And they have faded, right? She does it so long and so often, and she gets so good at all of these spells, like the camouflage spell and the the glamour spell, and she ends up glamouring everybody, but. Um, they they do it or she she puts so much magic into it that the lines fade and like as soon as they fade she's like all right let's fuck yeah she's it's DTF on! DTF and then yeah, she, she took the ganja not the ganja <laughs> now I can't think of what it's called the root she took. She took the pregnancy route. <laughs> she took birth control. I can't think of what it's called now. I don't remember. <laughs> Sanja. Sanja was close. You were close. You were close. Uh, close. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, yes, so Sage takes the the Sanja route, and uh, she's DTF right away, and they do. They have beautiful, wonderful, sexy, sexy time, and um, the line, and they love each other. They love like, each they other. Lo- they deeply love each other. Everything yeah. she goes, ah, she she's just, and it's it's mutual. It's great. So, um, everything is wonderful, and then she wakes up to like horrific pain all down her hands like her hands are being flayed off of her and and it's 
horrific and horrible. And then she goes in and out of consciousness for a while. And she wakes up to um, Butrin sorceresses over her trying to um, like calm her down. And then she dur- and during this also, she has dreams of wings and being like burned alive. Right. And and and. Something also very relatable. It, it, she's and the the sorcerers say, "Well, you know, you're 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 feeling like that because you're pregnant." And Sage is like, "What? I took the birth control." And and the the Vutrin are like, "Yo, that root is light sensitive, and you had just blasted yourself full of light magic like that. Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh, did not work." <laughs> It's like when you're still taking, like, not, I mean, this is more extreme, but you know, when you take birth control and then you're taking antibiotics and you're like, no, that, that cancels each other out. That's not how that works. Ugh, it's, oh my God. Ugh. So then at this point, we're moving into like the last stage of this. But I want to talk about River and I want to talk about the children because River loves children because, and not in a creepy way. River loves children because they are not, um, like indoctrinated by all of the prejudice that has happened, right? Like children have to learn prejudice and these children that he's around, like haven't yet. And he loves that about them. And because River is like royalty, he doesn't really understand the working conditions of the Samaragdalfar. Well, there's a privilege that he comes with. I mean, obviously, he's able to kind of flounce around. He doesn't even recognize that. He goes, I didn't want to, so I'm running. I'm on the run, and I came here, and they can't do anything about it. I mean, it totally speaks to his privilege. I, I do appreciate, and I mean, I-, I think I've said this to you before, my love for my niece has not been tainted by, like, the drama that is my family and she's just so pure and i can see where that's where river is like kids haven't been fucked in the head yet Mm -hmm. but that all kind of like gets turned on itself because river comes to the the cave situation where the refugees are and you know it's a bunch of smog delphar children and he's got like candy and stuff and and it's important it's important to know that 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 river and his race of elves are uh, using the Smaragdalfar as like slave labor and they are oppressing them and murdering them and they use children for things and it's really, really horrific and the conditions in the mines are terrible. Um, yeah. So River is like, no, I'm going to, I brought all this candy. I'm going to go see the children and the refugees and everything's going to be wonderful. And everyone is telling him like, don't do this. Do not do this. There is trauma here that you don't grasp yet. And he goes into the cave and the children freak out and they're screaming and like the the adults, um, you know, put up their magic and, and they're ready to attack him. And that is River's like epiphany moment. That is when he he uh, uh, he runs out. He cuts off all his hair. He throws all his jewelry and he he's like, Sage, glamour me into something else because I for the rest of my life, I'm dedicating to moving these refugees across the desert. I will be their guide. This is my, like, purpose. And it's really, really lovely. And I want to see more of River. Like, we don't get any more of River. Yet. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we don't know, like, what happens to River. But he he is just, like, a really wonderful example of somebody having their epiphany moment and, like, dedicating the rest of their life to change, which is just, just fantastic. Just fantastic. And, and his... 
uh, gifting of the grimoire to Sage is the reason that Sage is has become so powerful and she has taught herself all of these really wonderful spells and she glamours everybody so that they are the storm storm gray elves so that they don't look sm- smog delphar and they're able to travel easier and that in and of itself is very difficult for all of them because they want to be like who they are they don't want to be anybody different but for safety reasons that that you know it is what it is, and also it's the same thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, why can't I think of her name at the moment when she had to? It, not Aislin. Who am I thinking of? Who was the blue, the blue tyranny? Elf, tyranny, where she had to be completely just completely disguised and adopted as such, and she had all these layers of magic and things that were intertwined. And we find out about the intertwining of the magics when. You have the one child who ha- who is part one species, and part not- mm-hmm. where you she goes. You know he has two sources of magic, and it reminded me of Lucas learning another. Like you're technically not supposed to lay. You could layer magic within your own society, but then when you start layering magic from other societies and species, that's when it starts getting tricky, and that's what we where we are in current day. Uh, you know, Earthia, that that's one of the things Lucas is learning. It's so good. It all ties together so well. We should also mention at this point, Sage is purple. She has like stained herself purple with her magic and she can't get it off and she's just purple forever. And that's fine because she loves purple. And I think it's really beautiful. And give me, give me, give me the fucking fan art. I want the fan art. If you're going, if you see Lori Forrest's Instagram page, like she does a, a lot of um, mood photos and they're like, there's going to be a heavy involvement with the whole purple of it because that I feel like that's the direction that we're going with the, the demon, the demon tide cover and like the blue moons and the lavender fields. And I mean, her herself, she lives in Vermont and she goes, I just, you know, she'll go to lavender or lilac fields just so I feel that that's going to be Sage is going to have this is just my speculation. We're going to see more of Sage in this next book. And I'm here for it. So yeah, maybe we'll get so. some of these characters back, too. Because by the end of this book, she's with the Vutrin. So we know that the children cannot... Um, it's only women, ex- with the exception of uh, Sage's son. Sage and Ravine, Siren's son. Um, so His name is so, Fenir. Oh, Fenir. Um, so... Yeah, I, I can't imagine not seeing where this will go. Ah, oh, it's so good. Okay, so we're in the, the final part of this book. And this last section answers some questions that we have raised in our other three episodes. So, Jess, I remember you asking me, like, how can Sage have her baby in the Amaz lands where they don't allow men? And we have a very specific answer in this book, it says yeah, they said that they were like basically cashing in on like an IOU. Yeah, right? a war debt. Yeah, they had uh, the Amaz owed the Vutrin a war debt. And it's the only time that the Amaz have allowed a man in their territory to like stay there. And um, oh, I was saying Vutrin before I meant Amaz. Amaz. Yeah. And because he's like the prophecy baby and they view him 
as like a weapon. And because the Amaz view baby Fenir, because he's an Ikaral, as a weapon, potentially the weapon of prophecy, Sage feels that she has to escape and and get, get away from that because he is not a weapon. At the same time, the white wand that Sage has been carrying for all these years since she was 13 has started to speak to her and tell her that the next bearer is Ellerin. Ellerin, Ellerin, Ellerin. And she tells the Amaz and the Vutrin this. And they're like, fuck no. Fuck no. This is a sacred wand. You can't give it to the descendant of the Black Witch. Well, they initially say you cannot. This doesn't make sense. You need we can't, what does it make it doesn't make sense to give it back to Gardenaria. And at which point Sage has to very specifically say, No, no, they're not saying give it to Gardenarians. They're saying to give this to Ellerin. And I think that that she had to be very specific about that for the transaction to transpire. Mm-hmm. Also, something that I found really fantastic is the fact that it is made clear in this book that not everyone can see the watchers, the white birds. I didn't pick up on that till I saw your notes. Yeah. So, I don't know why. I didn't. Because, so, I mean, Ellerin saw them and Sage saw them. So I feel like the people that we've seen seeing them, I, I, we're in their perspective. So I didn't think anybody else didn't. But then... Uh, Sage sees one of the birds and she sees them as like kind of translucent, like sitting on on one of the, um, I think the Vutrin, one on her shoulder. She's like, you know, do you, don't you see that? Don't you see the bird? She's like, no, I don't see the bird this time. And it's like, oh, and that makes perfect sense because you would think that if everyone could see the white birds, everyone... Then everybody would know about this shit that Marcus Vogel's pulling. Right. Everyone would know and everyone would see them as the holy birds. Everyone would make the connections. Like, all, all of this would happen. But we know that's not the case. And it's like, oh... That it, it just it makes such perfect sense now. And it's like, okay, this is a question that I didn't even know that I had that is answered now. Like, of course, of course. And and it, it kind of puts in perspective the scene from the Iron Flower where Winter can see the birds. This is after the Lupine Massacre, and Ellerin can see the birds, but like nobody else is reacting to all of these birds covering their eyes with shame about the Lupine Massacre. Because again, if everyone could see them, then Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be acting like this. It's it's just, it's really beautiful. And it's just this gorgeous detail that puts in perspective that maybe there is like some sort of higher power guiding people, right? Right. Um, just, just because of this, I just thought it was really fantastic. And it is one of my favorite things about light majors, these little questions being answered. And, you know, you say higher power. And I think that there's, I mean, for me personally, I think there's big difference between having a higher power and the church slash religion. And I mean, even Vale says to Fane in One Fasted, for the life of me, Fane, I cannot understand your attachment to this inflexible religion of ours. And frankly, it makes me question your intelligence. They're not questioning the higher power. They're questioning 
the church and they're questioning the religion. And those are two contrary to popular belief, very different things. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Oh, it's it's so good. It's so good. Okay. So the very last part of this is is really fantastic because the last part of this book is like the beginning part of the Black Witch. Mm -hmm. Which I think was very important to, again, we had said that uh, Juan fasted. You're in it initially, especially if that's the one you choose to start off with. You're in the resistance for Gardenaria. All hail Gardenarians. You're in it with them. But this one brings you back to reality to, you know, this is, this is the garden area now. And I think it was just, it's just how it was intertwined where that, where the, where this novella, Light Mage, is the chapter one from Sage's point of view of the Black Witch. And even, even in that, even in their interaction, Ellerin's try. Oh, Sage! Like, come on! She, it's just. It reminded me of where she goes. It's okay. Just kind of placate to her, and and in that moment, I think Sage says something. She goes, "So oh, she's gonna have to. She's gonna need to unlearn everything that she's been taught, because Sage had to unlearn everything she had. She she already saw. She goes, oh, here here we go again." Mm-hmm. It's on her. Yeah, it's it's like a cycle starting over again. And like Sage, something that I really love too is throughout this whole book, when Sage, after Sage runs away, she's like, I need to save my sisters. I need to save my sisters. But everyone else is like, you will, but you need to save yourself first. You have to learn how to use your magic. You have to learn the situation. You have to learn the politics, learn how to play the game and then save your sisters. And uh, she does. She pulls her sisters out. And it remind my that's one of the things my godmother has always said to me based on like different circumstances that I've been in. She goes, You can't help others until you help yourself. You have to help yourself. And you know, we know this even from if if you go on an airplane, they tell you 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 want to help the person next to you, you gotta help yourself because you're not gonna help anybody if you don't have oxygen coming to you. So put on your mask first and then you'll be able to to help everybody around you. And I think you know, it's 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 part of the bigger picture that we always talk about, you know, and even the line, even the line, like resistance is a long game. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta get everything together. So then you're not kind of floundering around with what's supposed to happen because when she does rescue her sisters, it is, it, it feels very in and out. You have no one, you have, you have not been fasted. We're getting you out of here. You've got to be quiet and, and we'll figure it out from here. But right now, this is this is the the assignment, and then we'll figure everything else out. A little detail, uh, a little detail that I like in this situation is that Sage has um, Fenir, her baby, like strapped to her, right? And she's like, "I need to keep him calm." So what does she do? She puts the elven amulet on him because that will suppress him and calm oh, I, him down. I didn't pick up on that. that mm-hmm. I, that's so. That is such a really good detail. It's, yeah, it's a li- it's a little detail, which makes the the revelations that happen in the shadow wand like that that much more. You're like, oh. And then in the shadow wand, he's like, I will not be quiet. I, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's really beautiful, and I feel like 
as a, as you know, I have said, as you have said, if the author writes it, you should read it because it it's all there for a reason. And all of these questions and all these little details and everything that we learn in these two books are so applicable to the story that we've had so far that it, it's just so important. And Sage's journey is so fantastic. We learn so much about, you know, the, the world and we have and I think it's nice to have these different points of view so we're not just like stuck with Ellerin the whole time. And that, that changes in the Shadow Wand, but it, it's it's just so, so great. And then this book ends with like Sage and her sisters like going off to, to safety. And of course, we find Sage like later on, but uh, it's just it's so, so good. Everyone needs to read this stuff. Not enough people. Ooh, this is a long episode. <laughs> Um, everybody needs to read it. It's a great conversation. It's stimulating. You're in it. You should be in it. And we, we've mentioned on the first episode, we understand that there was controversy and you're more than welcome to read on up onto it. But if you actually read it, you can understand that the, the controversy was that was there. It, 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 it isn't. It isn't. It just kind of seems pretty fabricated. Um Wonderful book, wonderful series. Did not think that I would like something so much outside of the SJM JLA world, uh, or more specifically from Blood and Ash world. Um, it's it's thought provoking, and you know, and once again, like the, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit. I wouldn't even say spice. There's romance, but plot is is very heavy, you know, like this, this is, this is plot driven, you know, and the romance helps move it along for sure. I mean, one of my favorite things in this book in the light mage was, you know, I was going to say Ellerin again, Sage and Siren are about to, you know, they're being together and her hands are hurting. And she goes, I wish I was one fasted to you instead. She's hurting. She's physically hurting. She's emotionally hurting. She. She's thinking she physically can't be with this person that she loves. And he goes, no, you should you should not be fasted to anybody. You should be your own self. Laura, you know, that's my shit. That's when I would have fucked him, too. Like For real. It's just like, wow, this this is what <laughs> we need. Like this, uh, you know, strong men, strong women who don't need each other, but who come together and make each other better and like work together as, oh my God. It's a partnership. There is no ownership and they're together because they want to be. And when they see each other as, as equals, it, it makes such a difference in that dynamic. It's just, it's wonderful. And we should also mention that Ravon had to leave Sage. Like Ravon is on his own journey and that's because the Amaz like would not let him stay with Sage like he he wanted to but he couldn't um so I believe that we will see like what he's been doing um you know that will that will probably happen in the demon tide or you know anything anything else but like he's obviously on his own quest and everything will have to like come full circle and I'm really excited for that well even the way this ends not even ends, but like in the tail end of this book, Sage is asking where he is and they tell her like, you know, you're in the Amaz land. This is the exception to the rule with your son. 
However, like things, bigger things are happening. There are bigger players involved, like shit's going down. Just, you know, again, it's another bigger picture thing. And she doesn't completely get emotionally, oh my God, I got to find this person. She knows what he's capable of. And she's focusing about her kid too. You know, she's focusing about her, her kid, her sisters. She has, she's, she's taking that breather to say, okay, like this is bigger picture. She knew what she just, you know, take care of yourself before you take care of others. And that's what it's a continuing theme because now she can take care of others. Now the next step to go about it the right way and make sure everything, because you know, we still, we're, we're three and a half, whatever. We're three full books and two novellas. We still are not a battle. Shit's still going down. Everybody's undercover. Everybody's finding their alliances. And it's oh, it's going to come to a head at some point. And I'm so excited. So, oh, my God. I have two points and then I am done. So uh, point one. Point one is it's important to recognize that Sage has fire lines now because of her Icarol baby. Her Icarol baby has given her protection to fire just like Yvonne did to Ellerin. Sage is able to like put her whole hand in fire and it like feels good and like soothes all of her broken uh, fast lines and things which have not healed and which are like spelled with ointments and stuff to be better, but they are still there. That's number one. Number two is we learn in this book how everybody else, all the other races and religions learned about Sage's baby. And that is through the trees. The trees read the fire that was in her and in the Ikril baby. And like, because the trees were aware of it, all of the races and religions um, use the trees in their like scrying and casting. And the trees told everybody um, about the, the Ikril that Sage has. So that is kind of how word got out about everything. And that's another like little question that has answered in this book. And those are my two points. I, I have no other points. I have, I'm so excited. I love the series. I, I'm ready for the Demon Tide, which had shifted, uh, release dates from September to December as of right now. I don't care when we get it as long as we can, can we put, beg for an arc of this? Because obsessed and I'll still buy it. Like I already have it on pre order. I just want to know sooner than the release date. I think we both do and just gush about it some more. Yeah. And again, again, everybody should read this book. Everybody should read this series. Everybody should um, recognize that this is YA. It's very YA, but it is so much. It feels I understand that it's YA, but it just feels very it feels very adult. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just it goes with the theme of this podcast with, you know, lived experiences. But I feel like everybody has lived these experiences, have some sort of exposure to it at this point. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's so good. Everybody, please read it. Um, yeah, yeah. So feel free to, and you know, feel free to follow us on Instagram. We're both on TikTok, Akafe Laura, Akafe Jessica. Um, just thank you for listening. And if you know, if you want to say some kind words on for reviews, that would be greatly appreciated. We love interacting. And also, if you've even made it through this entire episode. Please feel free to like get in our DMs and give us some suggestions for giveaways. We've been doing signed books, um, Amazon wish lists, gift cards. So we're, we really just kind of want to keep fostering this community that, you know, that we all love and want to be a part of. So thank you so much for everything. It's just been a blast. 
Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.